Good. Let me um, start by repeating uh, some of what I covered briefly last night. The key term, upadana, is a central notion in Buddhist psychology. It is um, well practiced. If you're not awakened, this is likely to happen right now in this very moment in your mind. It is um, an attempt of the human mind to avoid suffering and it badly misfires. It is that very attempt to avoid suffering that is responsible for a considerable, uh, considerable amount of our suffering. So, the term is variably translated. You see three lines there. The most common line is called, you know, grasping attachment, clinging. That's probably the most favorite, famous translation of it. It has a, a secondary meaning as soon as that type of grasping and attachment happens on the mental plane. We, we, we translate it better with identification. And in the context of the Pali uh, scriptures, it has also a tertiary meaning, which is not immediately apparent how this is connected. And in that meaning, it is translated as fuel. Uh, the image is clearly that grasping the activity of upadana fuels renewed becoming. It fuels the process of becoming, which is at the heart of human existence. We get reborn, not just after death, but continually. We get reborn every moment. The mind creates conditions that lead to consequences that manifest again as will formations, as mental states, as emotions, as ideas. This is a continual dynamic process. The central piece in there is that activity of upadana. Dana to give, adana to take. Upa is the reinforced prefix which makes the taking the more hard. It takes it more intense. Taking up close to. So, we experience that in a lot of ways. I would like to investigate with you four particular ways that the key term occurs in many, many instances in the Buddhist teaching. It occurs in respect to the five fields of sense experience, the five khandhas. It occurs in terms of the twelve links of dependent arising as a key link between desire and bhava, becoming. And it re refers specifically to four types of grasping I sketched out last night, which is grasping in the realm of sensuality, grasping and identification in the realm of views, grasping and identification in the realm of method, virtue, precept, practice, and grasping um, in the realm of uh, explicit ideology about myself, about I. If you want fear four catchy headings, then we grasp in four domains. One, one, the first one, the realm of sensuality, could be shortened to seeking. Basically, as it is, is not good enough. I seek for something else. The second one, and I hope to write them down, or have one of you write them down, in fact, uh, is grasping and clinging in the realm of ditties, of views, that the short form of this would be something like, I am right, I know how to be competent. It's 
gaining a certainty or a security from the feeling that I have understood what is right and I know how to be competent. The third form of grasping in, is silamata upadana, it's the grasping at virtue, it is the grasping and identification with precepts or with rituals, and we could shorten it to I know the right technique. Whatever's going to happen, I know the method. I have the tools. I have the technique. I've got it sussed. And the fourth type of grasping, we could, uh, the grasping Atavada Upadana, the identification, grasping at the theories of self, it is, can be shortened to becoming someone. I know who I am. So, maybe I would be helped if somebody could take that first sheet, just so that we have it as a reference, and uh, I would like somebody to write down for me uh, a heading. Would that be okay? Volunteer? Neat handwriting is appreciated. Yeah, maybe we could just take that somewhere to the side. Thank you. It is important to me that you see these words because you will you will forget. And this is just too precious stuff that we leave it somewhere in that obscure book. You know, it's important that you familiarize with yourself with that because it's much easier to spot these things happening if we have a concept for them. It is much easier to acknowledge these things if they have already a name and if we can refer to them, if we can reflect them. As, some, as soon as they have a name and as they have um, images uh, or are in, can be related to aspects of our experience, then it is very unlikely that we'll completely forget those things. We'll forget much. Generally, we forget probably two-thirds of what we learn, I have been taught. Um, and the trick is to be able to re reconstruct what is important with the remaining third. So part of that is that I like you to see these words. If you would write down the grasping at and identification with sensuality. This is the first big uh, form of clinging, and it is uh, the Pali word for it is kama. Would you write that? K A M A. Okay, and you make a dash above the first A. So this means it's a long A. Not to be mistaken with kama. Yeah? Although they have a connection, they are actually quite different. This simply means sense object, it means sense pleasure, and it means sense desire. So that whole realm receives a lot of affirmation in our societies. We identify with, could you put the word identification after, so that people understand it's not just the grasping, but actually I am identified with my, say, physical comfort. We can handle quite a lot of 
discomfort. But often such discomfort is not just unpleasant to experience, it is then doubled by our unwillingness to bear with it, or by, by our resentment, or by our um, despondency when we have to uh, experience unpleasant things. We all know how a little fever feels, isn't it? It's bearable, but yet we can feel pretty grumpy about the little fever in the wrong moment. This is our holidays, we've come here, we wanted to enjoy ourselves, and now I'm being punished with a little fever, just enough so that I can't enjoy myself. And out of that mild discomfort, I can actually get quite a lot of misery out of I feel betrayed, I feel this is unjust, you know, why don't I have that when I'm paid rather than when I'm on holiday? Um, I can resent that my partner who has urged me to shift my holidays to this time, you know, if we had had the holiday as originally planned, you know, this wouldn't have happened, so he's at least partly to blame, and so forth. We can, you know, we can make quite a thing out of a little discomfort. So grasping at an identification with, say, sense pleasure is not just our desire for to sink our little white teeth into a big fat hamburger yeah. or into a veggie burger or whatever you like to sink your teeth into. Uh, it is not just the explicit act of feeling desire and wishing for the gratification of that desire. It is much more insidious. It has to do with safety, it has to do with comforts, it has to do with status, it has to do with the small things we take for granted we only become aware of how much we actually depend on them when they're not there. Going for a visit to China and suddenly finding out that the concept of public toilet works different there. This is a thing where you have small walls in between so that the people on the toilet can talk to each other. I never thought I'm particularly attached to Swiss notions of toilet building, but at that moment I realized my notions of, of, of privacy and of the comfort of doing whatever I do on a toilet is not met here. I realized I, this felt a lot too public for my taste, and I never had consciously acknowledged that I had grasped at the concept of Swiss toilet building. But at that moment I realized obviously there was some grasping there. It is, it is impinged on my metabolism, to be frank. Yeah. Things like that. We are having standards. We have established things we don't think are big sensual hits, but we have gotten used to this. If you travel, if you go to places where uh, such comforts are more hard to come by, you will notice uh, that this can be substantially... Um, displeasing to you. You go to some place and you turn off the shower and the shower just kind of is sort of a sad dribble. And at that moment you realize your attachment to neat, fully pressured American shower heads. You never thought that this was a particular sensual high, but kind of looking at this sad dribbling thing, you know, uh, pointing in the wrong direction and being, you know, chalked up somehow, you realize obviously some attachment is set into your mind. So many of those attachments we do encounter not as overt, affirmative statements of which we are conscious, but we 
we become insidiously attached to things, and then when our standards are not lived up to, we, we you know, we, we sulk, we mope, we go despondent, we, we feel betrayed, uh, or we go irrationally angry, things like that. So there are many forms in which attachment to sensuality kicks in in our life. It has to do with well-being, with security, with comfort, with health, and obviously with the capacity to make things pleasant. This is our instinctual relish, you know, when we meet things which, which please our senses, that we want to keep this, that we want to repeat it, that we want to maybe vary it a little bit, or be sure that it's there again tomorrow if we come back. This is the attachment when we have that the cook in, the, in our favorite restaurant suddenly takes another job and moves away. And we realize that part of that restaurant was just how well he cooked. It's still a nice place, but that cook, which made things just right for us, has moved on. It works on the other coast now. So it is um, our uh, sense of uh, feeling rewarded when we can choose. You know, just a kick we get out of making our own choices, having it our own way. As recently a meditator told me, um, he, he felt it was really good, everything was good here, but then something in his mind popped up and said, but I wanted my own way. It wasn't enough that it was good. He wanted to have chosen it to be that way. <laughs> Ever encountered one of those in your mind? Something that says, okay, fair enough, can't blame it, you know, so everything's all right, but I want to actually have made it, yeah? I want to have chosen it. I want to be responsible that it's good. So there's many ways in which sensuality kicks in. Obviously, we all fear pain, and we all seek pleasure. Yeah. Our bodies seek pleasure. Whatever you think about pleasure, you may have ideological reservations about the experience of pleasure. Your body will like temperatures somewhere between, oh God, you think in Fahrenheit, huh? 15 Celsius and say 35 Celsius. It's unlikely that your body appreciates temperatures far below that and far above that. Simply because you're a human being and uh, human beings have shared certain things. So bodies like, um, generally they like touch, then they like certain degrees of humidity. They like being fed. They like warmth. And our bodies relish when they get that. So as soon as it gets cold or as soon as it gets hot or more humid, bodies kind of start to give signs. They get sweaty, you know, or they get, they get goose pimples. Or they start, you know, have rumbling stomachs. Or, so there is some things in there <clears throat> that are quite instinctual. So it seems highly natural to get into sensuality and seek comfort seek pleasant experience, and if it's nice, we wish it to stay. So the heart says, please don't change. Please stay that way. Yeah, just right, keep it there. So this is quite natural. This is not something immoral. Let's not make a moral question about this. Upadana is not a moral question. It just... The problem with this is not that it is immoral or it's bad to have pleasure. The problem is that it can't stay that way and we're going to suffer if it doesn't stay that way. 
problem is even if it stays that way, we get tired of it. You know? The problem is even if it stays that way and we don't get tired of it, we start worrying to worry that we lose it or that somebody else may get it before we get it or something like that. There are many problems even if we get it exactly right. How does suffering look from sensuality, from attachment to sensuality? It looks... Um, society, on the whole, affirms the uh, pursuit of happiness through sense pleasures. Uh, generally, much of what we think are family values, much of possessions, uh, prosperity, affluence, much of that uh, underpins, is underpinned more precisely by grasping after sensuality, and society generally approves of that. Um, at least at the beginning of the spectrum, if the seeking aspect of sensuality goes beyond what society deems to be healthy, if we start speaking of addiction, or if we, if, if our uh, pleasure-seeking is, de is deemed to be abusive or uh, manipulative, then society begins to frown on this. But you have to understand, a large part of grasping at sensuality is actually actively affirmed by our societies. Only when this goes beyond what societies and societies vary in this, um, beyond a certain point, they speak, this is unhealthy, this is addictive, this is abusive, this is immoral, uh, this is illegal, yeah? then our societies frown on this. So this is not about legality. And it's not about morality. It's important that we understand this whole dimension. And mm, the point in there is that no specific sensual experience can really give us lasting happiness. Uh, and our investment has into the pursuit of such uh, sense experiences has, I think, to be valued in, uh, with the, the direct result of it. So there is a definite tendency in our minds to, to overestimate the result. We, we harbor expectations in terms of sensory gratification that go way beyond what sensory gratification can do. If we only expect of a poor strawberry to deliver what a poor strawberry can deliver, then strawberries can make you perfectly happy. <clears throat> Not for very long. Uh, and they will, you know, if you just stick to strawberries for your nutrition, then that will be a bit one-sided in the long run. But if you don't expect more of a strawberry, <clears throat> then the strawberry can actually make you quite happy. The problem is we expect more of the strawberry than the strawberry can deliver. I don't want a little happiness. I want happiness, ecstatic happiness, forever. You know? I don't just want to visit, I want to move in there. Yeah? So this is, the, this is the problem with sensuality. There is a highly disproportionate expectation pinned to an object which, even under the best of circumstances, can deliver the expected happiness for only a very short time. But that is, according to the Buddha, the major problem with sensuality. The other problem, which is actually not very small either, is that we get accustomed to things. We get dependent on things. We get addicted to things. 
subtly. This is not declared. This happens slowly. We just take, you know, first it is a big hit, and then we are fully appreciative, and then we're still grateful, but we think it increasingly normal, and then it becomes just as we always have known it, and then we're hooked. And when it doesn't come, we're not going back to zero, you know, we're going back to sub-zero. You know, we feel deprived, we feel betrayed, we feel lacking and wanting. So the more we manage to refine and gratify our wishes for sensual comfort, for pleasure, pleasure, for safety, for gratification, the more we succeed in this, the more dependent we become. And the more prone to forms of suffering when uh, we cannot gratify. That may happen through many ways. You know. Sometimes we lose control over this process. Or sometimes we lose the means. Or sometimes I, our senses fail. I remember uh, standing as a small kid at the edge of the sand pit, conscious that I am now too big for this, and saw the kids playing in there. And I realized a good part of me would have wanted to go in there and continue that pleasure I have had many, many times. At the same time, I knew I was too big for them. They were, they were half as the size I had. And yet, there wasn't a substitute. So I had kind of, some things we outgrow, almost despite ourselves. So there are many challenges in sensuality. I would like you to spend, to, to, to kind of make whisper groups, threes of views, and kind of speak a little bit, five minutes on sensuality, or more precisely, on when the last time you have noticed to actually be grasping at something of a sensory nature. Tape is off now. Nothing, nothing is recorded. You're on your own. Yeah, five minutes. Okay. Turn to your neighbors. Two is three. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.